0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today's Focus for Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023 at 1056 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus... You'll have to wait and see. You'll have to wait and see. But before we get to today's focus, I, I have to laugh. I, I'm, I'm just going to share it because inside I'm laughing, I'm cracking up. Right before we went live uh, on one of the platforms, uh, we before we officially go live, we kind of do a pre-show, right? It's just me talking about whatever I want to talk about. And on the pre-show, I was kind of just talking about how we don't have you know, this this podcast. I don't do lots of you know, it's not over overly produced. It's very simple, very straightforward, very tries to be very organic and very real, because I was talking about how some uh ministries that you know they've gone video and it's and it just feels very like a lot of work to produce it. They have multiple cameras. They switch to cameras, depending on which way the pastor is looking. And it's like, "Ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about all of that. So I was making kind of a joke of, you know, I don't do all the production for this podcast. And then we immediately go live. I do the countdown. We go live in five, four, three, two, one, and we go live. And immediately when we go live in the intro music, you know, cues up and, and kicks on. And turns on, as I'm supposed to come in, I think it's what, seven, eight minutes, or no, seven, seven or eight minutes, seven, eight seconds in, and I'm supposed to lower the volume and say, good morning, everyone, welcome to today's focus. Well, the volume came on, the music came on. And right there is when I'm supposed to come in. It's actually 16 seconds in. And as soon as that, where where the music drops, right when it drops, I'm supposed to come in. And I'm supposed to lo- – I manually lower the volume. I'm supposed to manually lower the volume and then say, good morning, everyone, welcome to today's focus. But for some weird reason, once once the music dropped and I turned the microphone on, you can always hear the microphone coming on because, again, we don't ha- I don't have a producer, nothing like that. I got ready to try to move the volume, and it would not – it would not <laughs> – it wouldn't move. And I was like, oh, no. So I got this uh, – I got the mic on. That's playing. And I'm supposed to be going – There we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's Focus for Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023 at 1059 a.m. Central Time. (laughs) See how professional that was supposed to be? But obviously it wasn't done very professionally. But does that impact What we do. Some people would say it does. Some people say it doesn't. We we basically in the pre-show, I was having my own conversation just about podcast and ministries and broadcasting and how things are done. And so, well, I just found it humorous that I'm talking about, hey, this podcast is not really overly produced. And as soon as we go live, I immediately there's all kinds of production mistakes. Okay, there's there's volume mistakes, microphones not coming on, everything. Oh, and another one thing that you did not see. I'm supposed to have an email right here that I'm looking at that has the information that I need. And guess what? (laughs) I I don't have the email ready to go. So let me find it really quick. Let me find it really quick, which is just another, it just is to me is, is perfect Uh, because of everything I was saying beforehand. Now I could have ignored all of that and you would have never known, but I found it funny. So it is, where's the pot? There it is. Here is the email that was supposed to be ready to go. Are you ready now? After four minutes of all of that, Welcome to Today's Focus. Today's Focus is, Who Was Paid, Part 2? Who Was Paid, Part 2? Yesterday, I brought forth this question about who was paid and some, uh, some of you participated and emailed me your thoughts. Uh, someone spent some time and actually did some work on it. And I really, really appreciate them taking the time to do that. Uh, others, I don't think seem too interested in the topic. And I can understand you've got a million other topics to think about. But hopefully we can now dig in a little bit more. I made yesterday's episode very, 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 very short. I just wanted to say, here you go. Here's this question. Think about it. Talk about it. Let's discuss it, and then today, we will begin doing a little bit of work on this. Now, the question arises from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. Here we go. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Here's verse 6. This is the key verse. Who gave himself, speaking of Jesus, he gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Jesus gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now that verse raises a question and the question is stated in an email that I have here and it's stated this way. If Christ paid our ransom price, to whom was it paid? If Christ paid our ransom price, to whom was it paid? Who did Jesus pay the ransom price to? Now, within church history, there's been some different ideas, and some of these ideas, I believe, are completely heretical and wrong, so I think the answer to this question is pretty significant, right? Because we've got to identify, if Jesus paid a ransom, who did he pay it to? I think we need to try to identify that, because I think identifying that incorrectly, I think is pretty damaging to one's theology and can have profound impacts on our understanding of what Christ did. I think, I think it's very important to try to figure this out for some weird reason. I don't think a lot of people either, they don't either, they don't, they either don't seem bothered by this question or I I don't know. They, they, they don't seem too concerned one way or the other. And sometimes if you'll point out, well, wait a minute, I think that is teaching that Jesus paid the ransom to, and I, I won't name whom, and I'm like, isn't that a problem? Well, you know, it's still a good book. It's still a good, and it's like I, I think there's a I think there's a problem. And it's amazing how, if Christians like maybe a movie or a TV show or a book, how many cases they will overlook. Theological issues. If they don't like, say, a certain preacher or a certain ministry, they won't overlook anything. They're right there with a pencil and paper, and they're like, oh, 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 he just said that wrong. He said that wrong. Look at what he's wearing. And it's weird. Like, it's like sometimes we're very like picky and particular. And other times we're like, well, it's not that big a deal. I mean, come on. I mean, who really cares if the chosen TV show adds all kinds of dialogue and basically just creates. Fictional things and the telling of the story of the Bible. I mean, who really cares? I mean, Jesus could have said it that way. Peter could have said that. I mean, you know, I mean, that Jesus could have been walking that way and looking like he was going to die after healing people all day and was and was all bloody. I mean, it, I mean, and I'm, if if you go back and listen to a podcast episode I did, I did about a recent scene from The Chosen, um, I it's just but you criticize that and people get mad. But then but then they'll get so furious and so mad how dare you criticize the chosen and those very same people will be ripping and tearing another pastor apart because how he that's not in the bible and why did he say that and that's not theological and it's like it's so weird that we just we just pick and choose but i think in this case this is a pretty serious issue at least in my estimation so here's what we're going to do we're going to jump to grudem systematic theology And I'm just going to to grab a part of it. Just going to grab a part of it. I'm on a PDF version of Grudem's Systematic Theology. Now, let me just say this. I don't agree with everything in Grudem's Systematic Theology, but I think it's written in such a way. One of the reasons I love Grudem's Systematic Theology is if you take a lot of maybe the older systematic theologies, I think you may find some of them harder to read. I think you may be like, wait, what's going on here? But with Grudem, it's written in such a way that I think just the average person can pick it up and read it and understand it. I do agree, disagree with certain parts, but I think overall, it's definitely worth anyone finding a copy of it and having. I use it at different times. And so I decided to just turn to page, I think in the, it's about, it's page 501, page 501 in the PDF version. I don't know if you have the physical copy where this is, and it's a heading called Further Understanding of the Death of Christ. Further Understanding of the Death of Christ. Well, when we talk about Jesus basically offering himself up as a ransom for all, we're obviously referring to his death, that in his death he paid a ransom. Our question is, to whom did he pay it? Right? Who? To whom? Grudem may give us some insight here, or at least kind of help us add to this conversation add to this and and please i i, I hate having to repeat myself here but remember that today's focus podcast series is really just me trying to give you something to focus on to think about to meditate on to dialogue about it's not necessarily always designed for me to go super in depth and take it all apart but and and sometimes though what happens if people participate, then I circle back to that topic and then we do go more in depth with it. So um, I hope you understand the way it's supposed to work. But let's just jump into a little bit of Grudem on this Tuesday, February the 7th, and see what we can find. Here we go. Further understanding of the death of Christ. Then he has number one. The penalty was inflicted by God the Father. If we ask Who required Christ to pay the penalty for our sins? The answer given by Scripture is that the penalty was inflicted by God the Father as he represented the interest of the Trinity in redemption. All right. So the penalty inflicted upon Christ was was inflicted by God the Father. So if you think about this, Jesus died to satisfy God the Father, Jesus died. In fact, you may be now you may even kind of now go where possibly where, where this could lead. Jesus is, in a sense, paying God the Father. Right? Is, is would that be accurate, or or do you disagree with that? Let, let's just see where this goes. Let me read this again. If we ask who required. Who required Christ to pay the penalty for our sins? The answer given by Scripture is the penalty was inflicted by God the Father as he represented the interest of the Trinity in redemption. It was God's justice that required that sin be paid for. And among the members of the Trinity, it was God the Father whose role was to require that payment. God the Son voluntarily took upon himself the role of bearing the penalty for sin. Referring to God the Father, Paul says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that is Christ, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? When it says him to be made sin, meaning, now we get back to the doctrine of imputation. Remember how this works. Adam's sin, Adam's guilt was imputed to us, so we're guilty in Adam. Our guilt, our sin, was imputed to Christ. It was laid upon his account, and he suffered for it, right, to pay for that sin. And then by faith, his righteousness is imputed to us, and we are declared, in, uh, and, and that righteousness is accredited to our account. Right. So just so that we understand the, how this works, all right? Isaiah said, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. He goes on to describe the suffering of Christ, yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, Isaiah fifty three ten. Herein we see something of the amazing love of both God the Father and God the Son in redemption. Not only did Jesus know that he would bear the incredible pain of the cross, but God the Father also knew that he would have to inflict this pain on his own deeply loved Son, God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. Jesus died to satisfy God's wrath, to satisfy God's holiness, to pay the price for our sins. Our sins required a price, and to pay it, Jesus paid it, but if he's dying to satisfy God, wouldn't it I mean I'm just gonna I'm gonna just kind pose the question. Remember, my job here is just to get you thinking, wouldn't that payment in a sense be to, to Christ? Do you think philologically, I'll just throw this out there, Jesus died to save us from God? Right? Oh, we we were at war with God, we were at enmity with God. We we were condemned by God. We were were the children of wrath. We deserved the wrath of God. The person who had to be satisfied was God the Father. Right? I'm kind of, I'm pausing, waiting for you to go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, but of course there's no one here, but all right, here we go. So, This is under the section, further understanding of the death of Christ. That was number one. The penalty was inflicted by God the Father. Number two, number two, not eternal suffering, but complete payment. Not eternal suffering, but complete payment. What does Grudem want us to understand in this section? If we, if you and I, if we had to pay the penalty for our sins, we would have to suffer eternally in separation from God. Now, let's stop right here. Some people have major issues with this. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why does my temporary, my temporal sin require eternal punishment? And a lot of people raise this question. You could say, well, because we're sinning against an eternal God and because it would require eternity for us to attempt to pay our sins. And guess what? Eternity wouldn't be enough. Let, let's see how Grudem handles this. If we had to pay the penalty for our own sins, we would have to suffer eternally in separation from God. However, Jesus did not suffer eternally. There are two reasons for this difference. A, if we suffered for our own sins, we would never be able to make ourselves right with God again. There would be no hope because there would be no way to live again and earn perfect righteousness before God, and there would be no way to undo our sinful nature and make it right before God. Moreover, he, we would continue to exist as sinners. We would not, we would not suffer with pure hearts of righteousness before God, but would suffer with resentment and bitterness against God, thus continually compounding our sin, right? Now, if we suffered for our sins, it would be eternally because we, we could never, we could never pay enough to satisfy God's righteous standards, we could never be holy. We could never. I mean, everything we would do, we we would we would just suffer for eternity because it, we would be no way to make payment for it. There would just be no way. it would be no way. It we and we would we would uh, suffer under that in a sinful way with resentment and bitterness, which would only compound our sin. Is what uh, Grudem is saying. So there's there's number one. All right. So Jesus did not suffer eternally, but if we But if we suffered for our own sins, we would never be able to make ourselves right with God. So it would require, it would require eternity. B, Jesus was able to bear all the wrath of God against our sin and to bear it to the end. No mere man could have ever done this, but by virtue of the union of the divine and human natures and himself, Jesus was able to bear all the wrath of God against sin and bear it to the end. Isaiah predicted what God shall see, the fruit of the travail of his soul, and be satisfied, Isaiah 53, 11. When Jesus knew that he had paid the full penalty of our sin, he said, it is finished. If Christ had not paid the full penalty, there would still be condemnation left for us. But since he has paid the full penalty that is due to us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus didn't have to suffer eternally, but he fulfilled and paid for it all completely. The payment was finished, the payment was complete, the payment was sufficient, and the pay, the payment is done. That's why there can be no more payment for me, by me. I can't do anything. My my sins have already been taken care of. And this is where Christians struggle so much because they're like, "Well, wait, 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 wait. If you're if you're if all your sins are paid for, then you could believe in Jesus and just live in sin. And then Christians are like, no, 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 no. If, you, if, you, if your sins have been paid for, you can't live in sin. You won't live in sin. Because, but, well, then they have to define what sins they're referring to. Well, wait a minute. How can you look to my sin to tell me whether I'm saved or not saved? Because whatever sin you point out has already been paid for by Christ because I've placed my faith in his work. So what we want to do is we want to look to sins that have already been paid for by Christ and say, that proves you're not saved. So Christ didn't pay for them? Well, I mean, they're paid for. Okay, then how do they prove that I'm not saved? Well, because if you're saved, you wouldn't do that. But they've been paid for. And if you say those three sins prove that I'm not saved, what about the other three sins? What about the other 10 sins? What about the other twenty? I could go all day. Either Jesus paid for them or he didn't pay for them. And this also gets into a major issue with universal redemption versus a more limited one, right? Because if all the sins are paid for, then why does anyone go to hell, right? Why does anyone go to hell? You say, well, because of unbelief. Is that not a sin? Well, limited would say, well, all the sins of those whom God has chosen have been paid. We can get into a whole discussion about that and it leads everyone to... Everyone loses their minds instead of just trying to think it through. But here we go. It should help us at this point to realize that nothing in the eternal character of God and nothing in the laws of God had given for mankind required that there be eternal suffering. Okay, let me me read this again. All right, here we go. It should help us at this point to realize that nothing in the eternal character of God And nothing in the laws of God had given for mankind required that there be eternal suffering to pay for man's sins. In fact, if there is eternal suffering, it simply shows that the penalty has never been fully paid and that the evildoer continues to be a sinner by nature. But when Christ's sufferings at last came to an end on the cross, it showed that he had borne the full measure of God's wrath against sin and there was no penalty left to pay. It also showed that he was himself righteous before God in this way. That fact that Christ suffered for a limited time rather than eternally shows that this suffering was a sufficient payment for sins. The author of Hebrews repeats this theme again and again, emphasizing the completion and the finality of Christ's redemptive work. And then they're going to quote Hebrews 9, 25 through 28. Now was it it now was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy priest yearly with blood, not his own for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundations of the world, but as it is, he appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away a, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await for him. So what Grudem is trying to do is like, hey, in this payment process, it was a limited suffering that satisfied God's demands and God's wrath perfectly. And there's no more suffering is needed. No more payment is needed because the payment was sufficient. Now, people will get into well, I mean, obviously Jesus didn't suffer eternally because obviously the, the suffering lasted for a period of time. Then it was over. Then he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. But So we all know clearly he didn't suffer eternally. But some will say, may, and, and, and I don't have a major issue if you try to word it this way. Well, on the cross, he suffered. He, he, he took all the suffering of eternity on himself. But the main thing is to understand the eternal punishment is because the payment is never made. Jesus didn't, in a sense, have to suffer eternally in any way because his payment was sufficient. It was made because he was without sin, true God, true man, and then he fulfilled God's law perfectly. And then he dr- took he drank in all of God's wrath, and it was all satisfied in that period of time. So, um, however, you want to get into a discussion: Well, why didn't Jesus suffer eternally? That I think that at least answers some of that question. Now I'm going to go on and try to at least read this part, I'll at least try to finish this paragraph. The New Testament emphasizes on the completion and finality of Christ's sacrificial death stands in contrast to the Roman Catholic teaching that in the Mass there is a repetition of the sacrifice of Christ. Because of this official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, many Protestants since the Reformation and still today are convinced that they cannot in good conscience actually participate... And the Roman Catholic Mass because it would seem to be an endorsement of the Catholic view that the sacrifice of Christ is repeated every time the Mass is offered. The New Testament emphasizes on the completion and finality of Christ's sacrifice of himself for us has much practical application because it assures us that there is no more penalty for sin left for us to pay. The penalty has entirely been paid by Christ and we should have no remaining fear of condemnation or punishment. Now we still haven't gotten, we've kind of gotten a hint to who the ransom was paid to and then Grudem kind of takes this little detour and we're taking the detour with him. But let me, I'm going to I'm gonna to try to be challenging here, all right? I'm gonna to try to, I'm gonna probably tick off a lot of non-Catholics, but that's okay. See, this would be the time in, in most sermons where you'd be like, see, the Roman Catholic system is wrong because they repeat, they they make present the sacrifice of Christ again and again and again and again and again. And 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 in a roundabout way, they many Protestants would say, he's being sacrificed over and over and over and over again. Catholics would typically say, No, 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 no. We're just making present. The sacrifice that happened once for all, we make it present over and over and over again because we need the sacrifice over and over and over and over again because we continue to sin, 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 and then sin destroys the grace of God. And the only way to restore the grace of God is we need the sacrifice and we need the sacraments. Okay, on and on and on. And this is because there's a massive difference in our understanding. They believe that in salvation, grace is infused into the person, and we have to cooperate with it, and that grace is destroyed by mortal sin. So, therefore, we need the sacrifice to be made present again so that we can get forgiveness, so that we can be restored, and it's, it's just a never-ending process. So, so sometimes Protestants will say they're they're sacrificing Jesus over and over and over again. and Catholics would typically say something, no, we're just making present again. We're just making present again that sacrifice. and you get into a big argument over semantics and and how you're wording it. But instead of just going after the Catholics, let's look at the non-Catholics. Let's look at us. All right? Now, we have a, I think we kind of get an idea who Jesus paid the ransom to. But we have to ask ourselves, if it's true that Jesus paid it completely, finished, done, once for all, it is finished, all, all my sins have been paid for, then there should be no fear of condemnation, no fear at all. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus I am perfectly safe and secure. But I want you to understand, there's a problem within the evangelical world. Even for those who believe in eternal security, they destroy eternal security because it goes something like this. Well, you Jesus did pay for all your sins. You are eternally secure. And then they always throw in, but. And the minute, the minute they say, but, that cancels everything that just came before. But they will say, but... If you don't do this, 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 or if you're doing this, 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 you prove you were never saved. So Jesus didn't really pay for your sins. Therefore, you're going to hell. Well, wait a minute. How can you look to my actions to prove whether Jesus paid for my sins? No, so well your faith is not real well so you're saying if uh, so you're saying my faith in what Jesus did for me then has to produce certain works because if it doesn't produce certain works then Jesus didn't pay for my sins and the whole point is Jesus paid for my sins because I can't pay for them and I'm still going to continue to sin so how can I look that Jesus paid for it but if he paid for it, I will do, because, listen, if you continue to have, because Christians love to have, you know, we can go with lordship, salvation, it doesn't matter what you want to call it, but people love to have these tests, right? They have the test. Like, okay, if you're truly saved, you will, number one, you'll love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Number two, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Number three, you'll be as holy as God is holy. Well, just right there, everyone's already failed the test. But wouldn't the test be, are you trusting in Christ and him alone for your salvation? Yes. Well, then his His blood, his death, your sins are paid for. I can't look to your sins. And just think if you have this test, you would never have true, you would always live in fear. You would always have to live in fear and worry, right? Because you would like, well, wait a minute. I'm passing the test on Monday. I don't know if I'm going to be passing the test on Wednesday. I'm passing the test in February in 2023. I don't know what 2024 is going to look like. I don't know what. So you, don't, you would only be able to have a little bit of assurance based on your supposed ability to pass the test. And guess where your assurance would come from? Your assurance wouldn't come from the fact that Jesus paid for it all. The assurance would come and your ability to pass whatever pre- test that some preacher gives you. This is how you know you're saved. Well, then now my assurance is not based on Christ. It's based on what I'm doing or not doing. That destroys the whole point of Jesus paying the price in the first place. That destroys the whole concept of imputed righteousness. If Jesus paid for all your sins, period, done. From the the first sin you commit to the last sin you commit. From the first sin you committed with your first breath to the last sin you'll commit with your last breath. If they've all been paid for the end then you can't look to moral failure to judge someone's salvation because it's all been paid for or this is this is this is the way christians teach it and I'm not even going at the catholics this is within the, the the non-catholic world jesus paid for it all but brother you did this and this and this i don't know if you're saved well wait a minute didn't jesus pay for those sins yes jesus paid for them however if he really paid for yours, you wouldn't be doing them anymore. Well, but I'm still going to, and it just becomes this circular mess. And Christians never stop to think, well, wait a minute, what are we saying? Jesus paid for your sins, but I don't think you're saved. Or forget, I don't think you're not saved because you keep living in sin, but aren't they all paid for? Now, some people see as soon as they say that, it's like, oh, you're going to give people the impression they can just live any way they want. I'm just trying to deal with the fact if they are all paid for. Was it really paid or not? And if God is the one who's angry with us. If God is the one who demands the payment. If God is the one who inflicts the punishment. And Jesus satisfied it all. He paid He, he paid the price. He satisfied God's wrath. He satisfied God's holy demand. He fulfilled the law. And simply by faith, all of that is mine. I mean what then can you hold against me that's why in Romans Paul says who can lay anything who can lay a charge at God's elect it's God who justifies this payment of the of the of the ransom price this payment is a significant part of understanding our salvation God God has righteous demands our sins, require a payment owes a debt and jesus paid it all but we get nervous with that we're like yeah but he did but 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 but, that doesn't you can't live the way you want to i know but okay first of all i'm going to be living in sin one way or the other correct well yes i mean you're not going to be perfect okay but if i'm too imperfect then I'm no longer saved or I'm no longer proved that I'm saved. Like how much imperfection has to be there before somehow now I'm proved that I'm not saved because I can, again, we talk about this all the time. Three scriptures, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be holy as God is holy. You never accomplish those. Well, no, I mean, as long as you're trying, as long as, so now trying, going in the right direction is sufficient. No, the only thing that's sufficient is Jesus paid it all. The payment has been made. It is finished. Now, we'll do. We'll work on Grudem a little bit more tomorrow. I wanted to just advance this conversation. Yesterday was so so short, only three or four minutes long. I was just, boom, in and out and just said, here you go. Here, here, here. Now, you got it? Okay, I'm out of here. And, uh, and I wanted to spark great conversation. For those who participated, thank you. But today I wanted to advance it a little bit. Jesus definitely paid the price. It was God who inflicted the suffering, meaning Jesus was there to satisfy God the Father. That's why you definitely need the doctrine of the Trinity in this way. One God, three distinct persons, co-equal, co-eternal. We can get into a whole Trinitarian discussion, but there you go. I'll just leave it there. There you go. There's today's focus. So, today's focus for Tuesday, February the 7th, 2023. I hope you find it beneficial. I hope you find it helpful. And I hope you will give it serious thought. Who is paid? Today, I just really want you to focus on it's been paid. All of it's been paid. There's nothing else left to pay. And we should be grateful for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. That is today's focus. Thanks for listening.